Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Marco. Sean. Do you like to win? Oh, I love to win. I just never get to do it. <laughs> Is that because you, what, uh, you have no strategy or no plan or something? I'm competitive. What's going on? I'm competitive, but uh, I like the Cooper 10 when he says the important is to participate. There is the human side of getting together, perform, and eventually, yeah, if you get to win, better. But uh, I, I think you're missing out if you're only going to be happy if you win. I have loads of fifth place trophies. Is that <laughs> they actually, you did an event where they give you a trophy for the fifth place? That's, that's nice. Why not? Why not? That's everybody everybody nice. wins. That's not true in everything, right, Marco? No, no. And that is, that's a good story, too. But it's probably a story for, for another time. Today, we're here with a bunch of friends. And because we are also on video and podcast, people can see who they are. Wave. We're going to wave. Hello. <laughs> and we're going to do a quick round of introduction. But the point is, Sean, this is one of those story that you know I love is the origin story. The origin story of a company, how an idea came together. Sometimes it's actually quite magical. And I think today is going to be one of those stories. It is. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to call each of our four guests friends. And they are all friends with each other. And they also happen to be co-founders of Blue Lava. And uh, you might be wondering what the heck is a blue lava. And we'll, we'll, we're find get into that. <laughs> we'll find <laughs> we're gonna, out. We'll find out. We're going to get into that. But Laz, Julia, Jana, and Andy, it's fabulous to have you on. Really looking forward to this uh, origin story. Uh, that I've heard snippets over the years. Never the full thing. Never together. Never from the four of you all at once. This is going to be cool. This is going to be great. We, we got together before in front of a meal, which is always a good thing. And uh, today we're going to pretend to do the same thing. And we want Laz to start by telling a story that I just gra I grabbed some pieces here and there. I know that there is some kind of a walk on the beach. There are napkins, poems, and then, uh, you know, and then, and then you build something. I don't know if you play with Lego too, but that something got built <laughs> after that. So, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, Laz, and and, and sure. get diving into the story because I want to hear it. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, full name Demetrius Lazarikis. I'll answer to Laz or Dimitri, either one. But um, one of the co-founders and the president of Blue Lava. Um, I've been in the security space for over thirty years. I don't want to date myself, but. Um, I've been doing this a long time. I had the opportunity, I was working on a project overseas. Yes, it's true, I was skipping stones on the ocean and uh, working on a project. When I returned back from the project and stone skipping, I had the opportunity to sit down with Julia Tran, who is um, you know, one of the co-founders and you know, I've worked with her on and off for over a decade, right? And Julia says to me, hey, why is it you help the many you know you always show up for everybody how, how come how, how do you help the many you go you're going from one to you know how can we go from one to many lads you know instead of like one to one traveling the world and helping people with their cybersecurity programs you know and i sat down with julie and i said well 
what are you thinking? And she said, well, you know, we really need to build a business application to help security leaders measure, optimize, and communicate what they're doing with their security program. And, you know, I'm like, all right, well, how do you do that? And Julia said, well, you know, let's think about who we know in our community that we could start working with. So we started working on projects with the CISOs and the security leaders in the community. And it was insane because the minute we said, we have this idea, people showed up, like there were projects coming in and, hey, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? And what we wanted to do was we wanted to make sure that everybody understood the end goal was to build a platform to do those three things, right? Measure, optimize, and communicate what I was doing with my security program. The problem we were solving is these security leaders, and, and today, right, as a CISO, I'm a three-time CISO, and I look at this and I go, you know, this is a tool I would, if I had the resources, I would build in-house. But when we did it, we sat down, Julia and I, then, then John and Andy, how would you build this? How would you go to market with this? Because each one of us is an expert in different areas. And we'll talk about that throughout the, the webinar. But when I say people showed up, it was not only Julia, John, and Andy, but the community, like the CISO community showed up. They incubated in our office over at Menlo Park in Chicago. They were giving us free information about how to go and do this and think about this, right? Because it was a it was a complex problem we were trying to solve and i wanted to make sure personally i wanted to make sure that it worked right and the only way that we're going to do that is to build it with by and for the CISO community so julia showed up john and andy showed up the CISO community showed up everybody started working in our office on this complex problem and how to solve it and for me one of the best days was when this collective group of experts shows up and people are talking about it. And so, you know, there, there is a rumor, you, you hinted at it. I'm just gonna show, I, I've got, you know, I put together a little time capsule. It's a blue lava time capsule. And Niels Pullman encouraged me to do this because he saw the original napkin. And in the original, thank you, Niels and Julia, because I gave this napkin to Julia. And Julia said, oh, this is, what is this? And I said, oh, this is my PRD, my product requirements document. Julia said, mm, okay, this is what I heard. And then she mapped out the original platform, making it a business application. And what was fun about this is we sat down and to do this, Julia challenged all of us. She said, if we're gonna do this, do we wanna be the voice or the echo? Because we're gonna be pioneers building a business application that security leaders need globally. Industry agnostic, these people need this. The day it came together for us, there was a poem that was written. And um, uh, just still, still gets me. We're having lunch on the Embarcadero in San Francisco. And we were talking about this. Julia said, hey, this is going to be fun. And it was kind of like a play on words, but the good guys win. So, so before, you, before you read that, uh, Laz, I just wanted to interject and say, um, I think one of the, thank you for start striking us off and talk, talking about how we began um, in those early days. But I really think that uh, we have a little bit of revisionist history here going on because yeah. at the end of this, we figured out what we needed to build, but there was so much about how to start with figuring out what the problem was in the industry. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say about this was, uh, I think on the shoulders of all the all of Laz's hard work and getting out there every weekend in his time off, um, putting his ball cap on and leaving, getting on a plane and helping people all over the world, 
with security issues and problems. That's what this company was built on top of because then everybody came to us when it was time when we were looking to solve some of these problems. We're really trying to identify and figure out what the major issues were out there that we could help with were, were uh, led us to this conclusion. Um, but, and, and that we're super proud of and we'll share a little bit more about. And, one, and, 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 and as Laz mentioned, when we were sitting there, you know, on Embarcadero about to raise money, right? And that, this is a whole nother story. That could be a whole nother Ooh. podcast. <laughs> um, but but uh, my whole dream, right, in Silicon Valley always has been to, ha to, to make sure that the good guys win, right? And in any segment of the work that I do, that we see oftentimes people out there and they end up winning, right? You think, why did they win, right? They didn't have the best product or they didn't care the most. They didn't have, you know, the heart that we have. But looking at these three co-founders who are yet to be to start this incredible company, um, the rally cry was, let's make sure this time the good guys win. And that means multiple things, you know, with our customers, with our community, but also with us and the team that we built to build this company. So uh, just wanted to, there's always a little bit of revisionist history here. And, and we have this shtick, me and Laz, where usually he tells it one way, I tell it another. <laughs> Who knows what the answer is? Somewhere in the middle lies the answer. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back to you, where we walk outside of the ferry building, right, in, in San Francisco, as we're ready um, and armed and ready to go get those funds to help build this company. Um, and some miraculous things happen. So I would love for you to share, Laz. Sorry to interject. No, no, it's all good. It's, it's nice because sometimes I rewrite history and I've got to have my, you know, <laughs> source of truth, right? Which Julia, John, and Andy are always, you know, <laughs> remember when, remember when. But it was fun because, you know, we're all sitting there and we're like, look, look, look what we've done, right? I mean, I think all of us come from different backgrounds and experience. And, you know, for all the hard work that we put in, right? And I think everybody knows you know, nothing comes easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? We're sitting there having lunch. And we're talking about the journey and what we're going to go do. And, um, you know, we're talking about this theme, the good guys win, right? Because there's a play on words. It's both with, you know, the good guys protecting against cyber activity and cyber criminal activity. We're talking about the technology, the entrepreneurs, the, um, the business leaders that have this willingness to take a chance and take a risk and do something. But let's go win, right? so we're sitting there and Julia comes up with that. You know, we're playing, play on words. You know, John's got like a go-to-market strategy put together for the good guys win. Andy and I are talking about how you can fight cyber criminals. Julia's looking at operationalizing and scaling. We walk out from lunch and there's a woman on a um, uh, Royal uh, typewriter, right? Not the old school IBM Selectrics, the ones before that with the ribbon. And she says, uh, poems. And it's like, okay, can you write a poem? She says, yeah, the good guys win. So we started looking at, you know, okay, well, you know, what does that look like? The good guys win. So she writes this poem, you know, and it's, you know, right here. And uh, each of us has a framed copy of this. And it was just really special to us, right? And I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take the time to read the poem because I'll probably cry because it's a true statement. Uh, it's a very, it's a very um, touching poem, but it was also very timely for us as we were going through this early, early stage of building a company and being pioneers, building a platform that nobody has ever taken on. So I'm Jonna, I, I want to jump in because yeah. the, the cool thing with these kinds of stories, and it doesn't happen often, is you, you can see a problem and you can find a solution. But this is a group of four people that came together and are living and breathing 
this entity. And we're going to get into what is a blue lava eventually. But, but John, I want to get your perspective on the, the feelings you had and what was going through your mind as some of this stuff was starting to, to form. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it gets emotional, right? I think um, like, like a lot of us, we've been in security for so many years and you always see how they've done it wrong. And it was always about, you know, building something and bringing every, everyone else in. And this time we had this incredible opportunity, as, as Laz alluded to, where he's given so much to the community and everyone showed up for us. And when I say you show up, you're actually being able to talk to people in the community about how we can change what's going on out there. And, and so for me, it was very emotional to be part of something this early on. I've seen it too many times where how products are built and how products are taken to market. And this is an opportunity to start scratch, doing it differently, doing it the right way, doing it almost our way. Um, so that to me was like really incredibly special for us. So, yeah. So I don't want people to think that we're rude and we're not going to let Laz tell the poem. <laughs> We're creating a little bit of suspense here. So I would like the other to hear the other truth, the one from Andy. Like, what, anything you want to add to this story before we get to the poem? <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think I agree with most of what everyone has said so far. I mean, you know, okay, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> from my but, perspective. But Andy, Andy, remember, you were coding on your kitchen table. And we were yeah. we were mapping stuff out on the glass board in Zeus's temple, and then we were also on Julia's <laughs> table and Jana's table, and everybody was baking food to feed us. And you had your daughter coding with you. I, I, don't I know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just uh, I'm having the flashback to you know the way it was. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, it was uh, it was a very kind of transitional time for me as well. I had spent, you know, a, a lot of years in security, kind of starting in consulting, moving, you know, internally helping defend companies. And, and you know, like Laz was saying, we and, and Julia, we kept seeing the same problems over and over again. And, uh, you know, this really felt like a chance to help solve a global problem in a more holistic way and really to try to step back from the problem uh, and the, the tactical, the firefighting mode that everyone has been in and try to look at it a little bit differently. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what drew me to, to this idea and to this company was how do we, how do we try to approach this um, huge global challenge in a, a, from a new and unique perspective? And that's really kind of, I think, the, the angle that I wanted to bring to this and, and what really made it attractive to me um what was kind of looking at it from that lens yeah and one of the things that uh john and i just you know we would <laughs> we would torture him um before we went out for to get raise money and we'd say man sit down like what was your life like tell us your story essentially and we made this life of laz also known as lol by the way yep. um and uh and he would stand up and for the first time actually talk about why the history of his life really led him to this moment to bring this team together to do what he what we're you know we still continue to seek to do so um, i don't want to dismiss that no i'm i'm glad you brought that up julia because it, it might be easy for our listeners and viewers to think the good guys winning is this team and that right. is not what it's about i know laz i know each of you this is about the good guys that you're helping 
yeah. win. Yeah. And and I know, uh, Laz, I met many years ago, and and Andy as well, and some work you did there. And I know, Laz, you've you run around the world helping people, and you've built solutions that are super complex, solving super complex problems. And it it's hard to scale both of those. And I believe that you're tackling both, not just from how do you scale knowledge, bringing it to an organization, but then how do you bring that into an organization that has so many functions that make a business run? And Julie, I want to I want to go to you. How did you begin to unpack both of those things? Because knowledge sharing and 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 bringing Laz to to life, hyper Laz, I'll call it, um, in, <laughs> version in, two, in, in, in service, two. and and also. Uh, understanding the nature of the business and then building a solution that doesn't just look at security and how do we scale security culture, but how do we secure the business? Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I, those are great questions. I actually, John and I really at her kitchen table talked a lot about this um, because again, as I reflect back, yes, we're now at this whole business application thing, but really at the core of that is looking at what the fundamental problems were in the industry and actually mapping that to a C-suite member. So if you have a C in front of your name, what's the responsibility, right? And then do they have the toolkit, right, to be able to deliver on that? And um, as an executive um, through the years at different companies and also coaching other executives, the key things are the same no matter what functional area mm -hmm. you actually represent. There are a lot of functions more than they ever were. You know, businesses are more complex than ever, right? And with uh, technology as the bloodline, it, it, is the, it is what breeds life to the global economy itself, to be able to reach those individuals all over the world. And so the thing that it, I, we narrowed the focus down on is, you know, as someone who's been in the, the people and culture function and coaching executives through the years, fundamental is trust and confidence. So every single time you're standing up, and you're speaking on behalf of your function, you, that's your job is to instill that. It isn't to get down in the weeds. It, it, it's to look for some sort of commonality, some sort of language around the business that glues what you do, right? The impact of that to the business itself. And so, you know, as we broke things down, what we know is for this, uh, the, even still the nascent stage of security as a programmatic kind of solution for a company, that's systematic and well understood. It, it's not there yet. And one, some of the fundamentals are really around performance, right? At the end of the day, how do you measure your own, right? If you don't actually know what it takes when you've been living in a world of the sea of red tape that is regulation and defining your programs based off of those things, defining your performance based off of meeting your audits. No other function in the company actually exists in this way. And so ultimately we knew that the tribal knowledge from this community, this collective of CISOs and, and technical leaders had to draw in knowledge and, and, and uh, allow us to provide that out to the rest of the organization so that they could glue it to the business impact. Because everything you do is for that, that common, those common goals for that business. And how do you then look at the, the core kind of um, competencies and capabilities that are necessary to figure out what kind of people you need to hire what kind of expertise you need to help make sure you can instill that trust and confidence. Um, so those are kind of the, the, the key things is, um, and at the end of the day, when it's not defined, well-defined, 
what ends up happening is you're accountable for everything. And I say this to CISOs time and time again, but you don't own everything, right? So how do you actually start to look at that? And these are all critical pieces, right? Having a trained and qualified group of folks out there where there's not enough education and time, you know, um, for those who know to actually deliver that knowledge to the people that need to know for the future of security in the industry. Um, you know, who owns what so that you can actually work with them effectively to business, be a business partner. And then at the end of the day, measure your own performance and stand up with confidence and say, we have what it takes to protect this business. Um, so that's how we did it. And a lot of this is about those coaching conversations we've had. And so years of that for me and marrying and clipping it with years of knowledge from Laz is really what we ended up, you know, kind of formulating in this, uh, in our thesis for what needed to be built around a business application. And um, we feel forever grateful for all those CISOs that sat for hours with us to talk about um, and be vulnerable, which is not what you're allowed to do. Vulnerability is a, is a, a you know, if it was four letters, it would be a four letter word, right? in the industry itself, no one wants to say where they're vulnerable. And until you get there, you're not able to fix the problem. So that's kind of where I come from it when I looked at it from my lens. And I'm inspired by that. This, the intended consequence of this software, this product, this company was to teach people how to build programs that they don't know how to do just yet. And they've been you know, really focused on compliance and audit versus security and security of business businesses um, that they're responsible for. And that's the big question that I want to ask to to Jonna maybe and, and then Andy in the in the detail, you know, how? <laughs> I get a great idea. There is a why, there is a what, there is a, you know, you see a need that is a really big need in the industry. You know it from the people that are living it on their own skin on a daily life with all the burnout and everything, that you need something that can work as a program that, that merge the business side of things with the security side of things. So for me, it's it's an Herculean task, but yeah. it seems like you guys kind of find a way, so how? I'll, I'll build on that a little bit <laughs> on what Julia said, and then Andy can kind of go more into the specifics. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was exactly that. It's the how is really, you know, there's these amazing people in the industry, like time-tested CISOs, so many of them out there. They've got, they've, and, they're, and some are strong in application security, some in database, some in network, some in all these huge, vast amounts of disciplines of security. And then even within, you know, application security, there's, there's patching and vulnerability management, all, you know, all this level of complexity. So when you come into Julia's point, as a CISO, whether you're new or even just starting at a new company, or looking at a new potential mergers and acquisition opportunity, whatever it may be, we spent time finding the right person with the right knowledge and say, okay, what is the first thing you do in this subset of application security? And what's the next thing you do? And how do you build this best in class program within these capabilities over time? And that's, and then, you know, like I said, there's mass amounts of these capabilities and these, you know, that kind of uh, roll up into these disciplines. And so that was the most amazing aha is to hear people in the industry. And we'd bring a lot of this workings together and people would kind of move things around and see things. And then we as a team would look at things 
Um, that was the how is you've got to figure out how all those disciplines and capabilities relate to each other um, and then be able to like use those unique experts in our field to to give us all that critical information and Laz's information and be able to kind of make things even better. You just, the one plus one of these people made it to like, you know, a thousand. So that's kind of, we took that knowledge and then harnessed it from this community to make it even better. Julie, I'm going to go back to you. Um, you mentioned being vulnerable and that, that can, you can take that in a number of different ways. And I know you were looking at it from, your own team and being vulnerable in front of a, an investor community. Um, but I, I presume you're also vulnerable with each other to kind of think outside of what have you normally done to tackle this problem. And then I, I'm going to go on a limb here and, and maybe this is leads up to the next question is how do you help the CISO community be vulnerable? Cause they have to think differently as well and kind of put themselves out there perhaps in a way that their peers may not expect them to. And and you said vulnerability is not a four-letter word. I think what's the most ultimate vulnerability? A zero day. So an O day. So <laughs> O day is a four-letter word. So there's your vulnerability. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um so let me know if I'm I'm kind of, you know, answering your question, um, Sean. Uh I what I mean by that, I actually do mean the vulnerability of CISOs and the CISO community. Like they are not allowed. So I think there's sort of this whole, I think with engineering thinking and, and uh, technology thinking, everything is really exacting, right? And business is fluid, right? So meaning like when you raise something up and you wanna say there is no way anyone can get through these walls, right? And that you want to be able to say it at a thousand percent. You want to be a, a certain, right? But usually, when you're in business and you're actually putting something together, you have to prioritize the highest risk of how your business works and are you securing those particular pieces. And and telling somebody, the internal folks, your executive team, your board, who are responsible for the company, or if you think the bad guys are listening, right? That that you think you might be vulnerable is a massive, um, uh, it, that, that's, a, that's something that, that, that most CISOs are not willing to admit out loud, right? Because they, they believe that it puts them and their organization and their company at risk. So that's, but, but the heart of risk is vulnerability, meaning the ability to understand, right? Exactly what it is that is wrong or at stake or connected to what, right? And, and being able mm. to then learn from that, express it, create a strategy and a blueprint around it, and know that there are some areas you won't be able to get to. But that doesn't seem to be in the culture of security allowable, right, amongst the, the, the security folks. Um, so what we did was we talked to actually a lot of folks actually who are either, who, who are latter stage in their career, um, who have been here and have been holding the gate, you know, standing at the gate for many years. Laz came from, you know, some folks who are from the military who kind of came in through the ranks into security, things like that, where again, vulnerability is not a good thing. But to have them stand up, because now they've made a career of doing incredibly, you know, strong work in security to say, yeah, I probably should have stood back and I probably should have let people know like what shared more about what we do. Cause now we're in a secret box 
and we're not allowed to really sit, you know, open, open ourselves up. But now that they're at this latter stage, Sean, they're actually able to talk about it. And they're willing because they know they've done um, a disservice to the ones who are behind. They're not giving out their knowledge base. They're not talking about the vulnerability that they think in their head or they only call each other to talk about underground. My whole thing I kept saying to CISOs was, let's bring those underground conversations above ground. Let's you know, shine some light on these issues so we can serve you better as, you know, and serve each other better in the community. So um, at the heart of it, it, it is that. It, learning is all about vulnerability. Yep, and, and the interesting thing for me and why I love this story so much and, and the things you're working on as, a, as an organization is this human element. And we, at the core of security, it's all about the technology. And in recent years, we've, we've begun talking about the business of security, gluing security to the business. Mm -hmm. We always forget this human element. And yes, we dabble in culture and that kind of thing. There's nothing really been taken or no, no real steps been taken to kind of pull all those pieces together. And, and, and Andy, I want to bring this to you because what you're building is, is that. And it's not just the tech stack and, and MTTXs. And it's not just what's our risk posture and, and, how, and what's our appetite at the company. It's how does a team led by a CISO mm -hmm on the shoulders of the CISO community, do something meaningful for the business. And that's a hard job. How did you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're exactly right. And I think that's, that's part of the problem we wanted to help solve, which was that in a lot of ways, the industry has it completely backwards, which is it's all about technology. It's all about automation. And you forget completely about the people aspect of it. When the reality is, you can buy whatever technology you want, but if you don't have the people on the ground that understand the output, that know how to set it up, that know how to make it run, it's not going to be successful. And so the people aspect is really the foundation of the security program. And that's why, you know, when we built kind of the platform, we started building the platform, people process technology was mm -hmm. kind of the mantra that, that we said over and over again. It's how do you measure those things and from there, you get a baseline to understand where you've made investments, where you need to make improvements and where you go. Um, but, you know, the, the people aspect, whether it's through being able to determine accountability for different parts of your security program, which, as someone alluded to earlier, oftentimes it's not the CISO or the CISO's team who is responsible or accountable for a lot of these things. And so you really need to be able to build that. Uh, roadmap or that organic kind of organizational chart of who are the people that matter in the industry to protecting the business, to uh, understanding risks to the business, and how do you connect them together with the process and the technology and the metrics and the policies that the organization has in place or needs to put in place. Yeah, that's so true. We, we, we try to redefine that relationship between technology and humanity and and it's nice to and refreshing in a way to to know that there is a group of people many others I, i'm not going to say you know there's a unique situation everybody maybe tackle a different side of the problem but if we don't put the human first we're not you know we're going to fail <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to get the goal we're not going to win as good as we may be we're not going to win so Laz, how is now use this program? How is this company really concretely 
getting into a business and, and serve the business? How, how is Blue Lava part of this now? Yeah, so in a number of ways. So we hear from our customers. They love the platform. They've never had data represented this way. They can, I think, you know, the team talks about this. They can now speak in confidence, you know, with ease. They have the data to represent what's happening with their um, security program. So what we do is we, we see customers using it to uh, build a baseline, what they have, what they don't have. Jana mentioned this earlier, you like, you know, if you're a new CISO, if you're an existing CISO, if you're a new CISO, new industry, um, the platform is industry agnostic, but it understands security program management. When you're looking at performance, you can build your baseline, what I have, what I don't have, and then it goes even further. The, 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 the platform has proprietary algorithms that give you information where you could start to build projects, you know, and it's not just, you know, you know, something that, you know, um, you know, groups are using this to leverage for building not only their program management and the performance management around their program, but they're going to other business leaders inside the company and saying, this is how we're doing. Are we doing good? Are we doing great? How do we get there? What matters to me as a business? And, you know, we're seeing, you know, M&A um, activities, you know, people acquire a company, they have to go through the, um, the platform and they're leveraging it. And it's beautiful. You know, for me, it's just like, you know, Julia said it, right? She said it best. It's like, it's a dream come true. If I was going to build a platform, if I was going to build a solution, if I was to go back in house again, as a CISO, this is the platform I would have built. And this is the team that made it all possible. And that's why I'm very emotional about this because when you talk about bringing together thousands of people of these great minds, right? And sitting down with the four of us who have this very unique background and experience to build a business platform and you see it come to life and people using your data to go to the board, to go to the audit committee, to go to the um, business units it's really profound to sit in those meetings and just watch it come to life. And I remember the day we turned the platform on <laughs> and, and everybody was just sitting there because we turned it on on September 20, uh, September 18th, uh, no, September 20th, 2018. And a week later, one of our customers was using the data in a board meeting. I walked out and cried. You know, it was just like really, really cool to see it. And then to have it expand the way it has been across all those dimensions I just walked through. Is really profound, you know. Anyway, I just, I, uh, yeah. So you know, really, really unique use cases, but the theme remains the same: measure, optimize, communicate, confidence, and ease. I can talk knowledgeably about my program in business terms. Where's the biggest risk to revenue in my business? I'm going to pause yeah. there, Julia. Did I miss anything? No, I, I, you know, I would say um, just to, it, it, this helps. It's so fun to remember, you know, the origins, because usually that's where the answers live. You know, when you get deep into the business and you get clouded by everybody's opinion about what it is that you're doing and whether or not it's the right thing, you forget sometimes what was at the core of why you started what you did. So thank you, Sean and Marco, for having us to talk about this, because one of the, the things that I think that is highlighted is, you know, there's two chronic things out there. One is that um, you know, when you walk into an organization and, and we used to call it a ransom note, like you get handed, somebody just left the CISO, you can't of CISO, you know, the, what do they call it? The ghost of CISO's past or roaming the hallways, you know, whether they did a good job or not. 
they never actually wrote anything down that was like that actually correlated and gave you a sense of what was there. And the biggest time, and I don't want to say this to cyber criminals, but I'm sure they do this themselves already, but that, that they would be uh, hugely vulnerable is when that CISO leaves and makes an announcement to go somewhere else, right? Because it, they're kind of gashed open with, you know, with not a lot of tools and understanding of this very complex um, security program that needs to be in place in order to protect all the things. And so I think that when I, when the first time when I, you know, shed a tear was really like some of those newer CISOs that actually didn't know, you know, were, were vulnerable enough because maybe that generation of folks a little more vulnerable to say like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what's here. I don't know what, I got this huge job. And then they turned it on and they disseminated, you know, you know, the software, the out, and then they pulled the data back in and they, and within days they got a picture of what that looked like and what that, what was there. And to me, that was so powerful. And that's what we're looking to achieve, you know, is to, is to bring all that knowledge back so that there can be continuous improvement and performance. And the thing I want to say is like, let's not keep saying like, what are the gaps, right? What's actually there? How about be proud? You know, there's such a negative, there's the lack of vulnerability sometimes in the security community. And then there's the, um, the, the, the digging you all the sell all the time around like what, uh, you know, what you aren't doing. But actually, it can actually show you your performance in a really positive way, too. So to me, there's all of these kind of, there's emotional things. There's all these things that you don't associate with security and technology. And people, like you said, Sean, that are so important to the, you know, for, for the industry to be effective. For the CISOs to stay in their spot and say, the reason why they leave every two years isn't just for the big dollars. I see those articles all the time. True, that's true. They'll get paid multi-millions of dollars to leave a job. But actually at the heart of it, I think if any of us, you know, were to think about it, especially during this COVID time when you're more, you know, retro, you're, you're, you're thinking about what, what the world means to you, why you show up to Zoom every day, what you're trying to stitch together in the world, is that they want this so that they can do better, so that they can keep doing well, so they're well understood and respected in the organization. And when they, when they find again that they can't do that because they don't have something like what we provide to help them you know, build that relationship and that trust, um, then they leave. So yeah, it's big bucks, but it's also, you know, the, the lack of connection with the business that makes them feel like they're not um, performing um, and, and good about their job. Yeah, and John, I, wanna, I don't know if you have any other examples, maybe something uh, even more related to the community and, and the, I mean, like Julia said, there's, there's perhaps a lack of widespread vulnerability in this group and mm -hmm. and equally less of a, a desire to scream from the rooftops all the great things they did. Mm -hmm. and, and we find that there's a lot of heroism, right? I worked yeah. ungodly hours and did this amazing thing that, that I couldn't achieve if, unless I nearly killed myself to do it. And and that's not, that's working not smarter, but harder, right? So. Yeah. So any examples from the community where people are coming together and actually helping to shore each other up through through the Blue Lava platform? Um, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that we've noticed with so many CISOs, they're very humble, you know, and I know we've talked about that. And um, I think it's really, um, you know, in the community, it's a couple things. Um, 
you know, the community, and, and Julia can allude to this as well, but it's like the community has always helped each other. Um, they've always supported each other through the platform. Like I said, it's it's taking it all these CISOs and, and from the community and blending it all, like all this knowledge that can help everyone. So it lifts the the whole industry up. So we're actually leaving the industry better than where we started, we feel like. And I know we all hold that is, you know, we all have a piece of making the industry much better than where we started because everything was all about regs. And now we're like all about programs and performance and giving CISOs this voice in a boardroom that they can show across BUs, across year over year, how things are improving, how maybe marketing's not doing their job. Engineering could maybe pull up the ranks over here. So it's, um, I, like I said, I feel like if anything, it's this community that has, supported our company that supports the product, you know, and Andy can vouch to this as well. I mean, how many times our customers want to contribute to our platform, give ideas, see how they're using it, how they want to use it. To be honest, that to me is, that's golden. Like, you don't sit with these customers and they don't say anything. They're wanting to be vocal. Our UX teams have like shown them what the future will be and they have input into that. So it's, we have this saying, it's with, by, for the security community, and everyone has a piece of it in blue lava of what it is today. So it wasn't just about us building something that we thought there was a problem. It was like bringing the industry to the problem and having each one of them having a voice, having some sense of ownership into, we got to make this better. And, and they all, to this day, help. <laughs> you know, when any time blue lava needs something, they help. So mm -hmm. it's it's extraordinary to be honest. Yeah. Be so, so you build it with the community. Yes. Then you're now you're running it with the community, and I'm curious because I I have to go into the future. So, Andy, I wanted to take your crystal ball <laughs> and tell me what what do you foresee the next few steps? I mean, how is the technology part is going to help the community even more? The, the, the role of Demetrius Lazaricus was just played by Marco because that's what he always asks. <laughs> he turns to Andy and that same question, Marco. So there you go. It always, is, always. He's the Mediterranean blood right here. <laughs> that's so true. No, it's, it, yeah, it's funny because Andy and I were on a call this morning. I called him right after that meeting and I said, and you know what's next, right? And he's like, yeah, these four things. Okay, great. <laughs> there you go. Tell him, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'm going to pull it back to kind of our, our three pillars that we all always talk about, which are measure, optimize and communicate. And it's it's kind of all about those three things. And so on the measure side, we have found repeatedly over and over again that content is king and the information that we're collecting, how we collect that information is one of the most important things that we do. It's as important as the technology and the platform that we're building. So really focusing on making sure that we're collecting the right information, that we're gathering it from the right places and the right people uh, and continuing to improve on that would, would be number one. Number two is, is kind of the optimization component. And, um, and there's a lot of things that we're doing in there, uh, pulling in more information around risk and business objectives and really building out the features that, to Julia's point earlier, help teach these CISOs and security practitioners how to do this themselves in a, in a new way that's better aligned to the business 
by helping surface insights and, you know, really deep information out of um, a data set that they've never had access to before uh, and is, you know, a lot of information that uh, they haven't had the opportunity to examine. Uh, so that's kind of number two is how do we continue to, Im to improve on that and pull more information out of the data we're already collecting. And then I think the third thing is around communication. And um, I, when we started, I would say, and um, I, when we started, I would say that we were really focused on communication up, you know, the board, the exec staff, and that is critically important. Don't get me wrong. But I think what we've come to learn is it needs to go both ways, right? It needs to go back down the chain uh, to the security practitioners on the ground, to the engineering team, to the product team, uh, because it is equally important that they understand their role in the organization and what they're doing that matters to the business and how they are protecting or harming the business as it is to be able to report to the board. Yeah. And so I think those are kind of the, the three areas I would say, uh, you know, getting better about each and every one of those is, is what we're striving to do every day. Yeah, and sounds to me they're all three very important for for the community. Again, the human element, so that everybody can perform better. Uh, before we end, I, I, I tease at the beginning that I wanted to know about blue lava, and uh, I couldn't finish this story without <laughs> knowing the reason for the name. And so, Laz, Julia, um, who's going to jump in on that? Why blue lava? Oh, this is Laz's story. This is all Laz. This is all Laz. Cannot right. take credit for this. This is we, Laz. we had no input. Julie and I and Andy had no input. It, it was it, it was a precursor. It, Laz is yours with the good and the bad. Go. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you. There's two. There's two stories out there about the name. Um, the first one's an urban legend. I'll tell you that one first. Uh, okay. So I was at, I was at uh, DefCon and Black Hat or Black Hat and DEF CON, and, and, and somebody comes running up to me, you know, we're having a, a discussion and somebody comes running up and they're like, I love the name of the new company. And I'm like, oh, uh, okay. And we didn't really tell anybody, you know, like the new name. And I was like, well, how, how did you find out? Oh yeah, you know, I heard it from so-and-so. And I said, okay, well, wh what do you know? Well, I heard that you paid $50,000 to a marketing firm to come up with a name. Blue, confident, integrity, trust, lava because technology and cyber criminals and security are always changing and i'm like well you know i'm not going to take an opportunity to you know listen i said wow that's, a, that's an interesting story thanks for sharing and everybody turned to me and they're like that's not what really happened is it and i said no and now the real story so first of all i don't know how that story got started um but a you know a random person came up thanked me complimented the name but then the real story was um, I was standing at 200 South Wacker in Chicago and um, I was in uh, customer said, hey, what's the name of the new company? And I was looking around the room and there's a bunch of Google lava lamps running, right? You know, like red, yellow, green, blue and you know, I, oh, blue lava. And he's like, oh, it's a cool name. I like it. And I said, yeah, so do I. Did a lot of thinking on that one, but uh, that's that's the true story about how it started. And you say fifty thousand dollars from a branding company. Exactly. <laughs> well, what I'm what I'm taking here from this uh, this group of four rock stars is the thinking went to the right place, <laughs> and, and a focus on the the human element here. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's clear to me that 
the human has to work in concert with the technology and the process. And uh, it's the support of the community that you're bringing together on top of that, that, that really makes this uh, shine, giving them an opportunity to be comfortable in being vulnerable so they can think differently and communicate effectively with the business to figure out, I really like this term, Julia, how to glue what they do to the business. I love it when you said that. So um, fabulous origin story, a lot of mini stories within it. Uh, Laz, Julia, John, and Andy, uh, it's a pleasure to see you, uh, to have you on this and uh, to hear you share your story with us. Thank you guys for having us. Thanks so much, Marco and Sean. Yeah. Always a yeah, pleasure. Thank you guys. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. You made it really easy to tell a story because <laughs> you, you didn't have to make it up. It's all right. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you for listening. Thank you.